0: Uh, So when I was a kid, evidently, I told my mom that when I grew up, I was going to be a singer, uh, but in English. Uh, I grew up in Tel Aviv, uh, and I grew up listening to Duran Duran and the Beatles, and that that was my calling at the time.
1: I'm Ben Hanani. Welcome to How Do You Do, a podcast featuring creative guests sharing the nuances of their process. Just a quick reminder to subscribe, rate, and review the show on Apple Podcasts is the most helpful thing you can do for the podcast. My guest today is Dan Brune. Dan founded his Los Angeles-based firm, Dan Brune Architecture, in 2005. Widely published, Dan's work includes retail, hospitality, cultural, and residential projects. He utilizes provocative spatial choreography to harmonize light with volume. Inspired by the Bauhaus architecture of his native Tel Aviv, he reinterprets modernist principles in minimalist designs for living, shopping, and dining. Named a rising star by Architectural Digest, Dan's portfolio includes furniture design that addresses the needs of living room, bedroom, and bath, With highly functional sophisticated and streamlined solutions his first home project flip-flop has appeared in more than 135 websites and publications internationally he's earned multiple design awards from the american institute of architects los angeles for his design of melrose avenues road to austor and bridge house dan lectures frequently and is a brand ambassador for bosch he earned a bachelor of architecture at the university of southern california and a master of architecture from harvard university's graduate school of design Dan is a member of the American Institute of Architects and is an interior design magazine person of the year honoree without further ado, welcome to the pod, Dan.
0: Wow. That is quite the introduction. (laughs) Uh, it's, it's hard for me to be on this side and listen to that. And, uh, kind of go like check, check, (laughs) check. Then I would never have thought, uh, honestly, as a kid from seven years old in Israel, um, Wow. I'm, I'm shocked at myself. So thank you for that. Extremely humbled. Uh, kind of stunned, to be honest. That was a really good introduction, Ben.
1: Thank you, man. I just got to give you your proper credit. And I think, you know, it's it's funny. I, I first encountered your work without realizing it. I think I discovered Bridge House, you know, I went, uh, shortly after it came out. And I absolutely love Bridge House. It's a magical place. We'll, we'll get into Bridge House a little bit more. But just to quickly introduce it to people who aren't familiar, it's It gets its name because it's literally in the shape of a bridge it's a long slender home that goes over over a brook which is beautiful but even before bridge house i discovered your work at coffee for sasquatch without even knowing you without even realizing you because i would literally drive past dozens of coffee shops so i could work out of coffee for sasquatch because of the natural light i'm somebody who's really sensitive to natural light so I I would drive 20, 30 minutes across town to make sure I got there and got a seat and would work there on weekends back when indoor indoor dining and and things were were happening. And I look forward to going back when COVID restrictions ease. But I was just so struck by it because you have this beautiful natural light coming in. You have this green wall. And of course, when I saw Bridge House, I was like, this makes a lot of sense. Of course, it's the same person behind both of these. <laughs> so I want to ask you, I want to start by asking you about my personal favorite element of your work, which is how you incorporate light. And I know you pay so much attention to, you know, skylight, to windows. I know there's a lot that goes into it. Beyond that, it's also the materials you use. You have a lot of white, which I, I imagine helps. And uh, I just I just remember the image of the corridor of Bridge House, It's always beautiful, but especially at a certain part of the day, I think it's, you know, as the sun is setting, you have this beautiful pattern and you think of things to the degree, especially when it comes to light. So I want to know, you know, as you're thinking about these and you have stick bulb at Bridge House, tell me a little bit about the light that goes into your designs.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, I always say that uh, good architecture and truly healthy wellness, you know, design, the things that we talk about is about light. Um and if you design as, a, as an architect and and if you start to think about materials too early on, you've kind of let that go. So your, your project, your space, your interiors need to function if there wasn't any paint and if there wasn't any materiality to it, that already has to feel good, right? So that has to be that has to deal with the scale and the human walking into the space, and that has to deal with the natural light. Natural light, believe it or not, Um, you know, it's, it's coming from a single source. We know where it is. It's very easy to calculate. It's not that hard. It's really not that hard. The difficulty is that you have to believe in it. You have to understand it. Right. So you have to have experience working with it on top of which you have to have, uh, the client's understanding, you know, one of the first things that I tell a lot of like residential clients is, you won't be walking through our projects during framing and go like i'm gonna add another window here because that's an absolute no-no it's already been you know it's already been considered uh and you're right it's to, it's to the smallest degree it's the smallest angle but you know uh when you talk about coffee for sasquatch um that's that project is very very dear to me and it's you know um uh, a visionary woman came by you know and started a project and her name is claire and she became a really close friend and she showed me the space before we started, and you know, it was already in my mind, like calculating. Well, it's facing north. You know, like what are we gonna do? How are we gonna keep it open? How? Wh- what are the considerations that we're gonna have to deal with it? And that's and that's really the lead of the project. And then, you know, f- putting putting a green wall on. You know, we put it on the uh, uh, eastern side so that it gets more of the afternoon light. Things like that. You know, you have to really consider uh, right from the get-go. I think.
1: Yeah. And that's a good segue with the green wall into how you also incorporate nature into your designs. Like if you've been to the for people who've been to the Road to Auster or seen pictures, you literally have an olive tree growing in the middle of the store. Yeah. Uh, and I just think it's so fascinating how you incorporate nature. Obviously, habitat horticulture with the green wall, both at Bridge House and at Coffee for Sasquatch. You have you have all these all these cool ways of integrating nature. How do you consider nature into your designs?
0: Um, and that's something actually, okay. So the interesting thing about nature is, uh, well, the first projects that we did, uh, was actually an interior shop, uh, in San Francisco for, for, uh, Caesar stone had zero nature in it. You know, it's a showroom. It was in the middle of an industrial park, really. And then, uh, the next project was flip flop house. And we incorporated, I would say environmental nature, you know, which is being, uh, being a urban home on the beach but it didn't have uh, an intimate relationship to its surrounding nature. Uh, we made the nature that's surrounding by it. There is uh, a pool, like a moat, that you encounter getting into the house, and there's some greenery that we did, but it wasn't inherently you know, tied together. It was only a more recent, uh, more uh, a mature project that I realized the connection to nature was so, so, so important, and it really, um, Might have began with RTA, you know, road to awe with um, the store on Melrose with the tree in the middle, and that began because uh, my clients, uh, I tried to you know pay homage to their roots. Uh, their roots are in Morocco, and olive tree is very very important there. And how do we kind of pay tribute to that? Uh, you know, the Mediterranean lifestyle, and that's how we kind of boom, you know, put that tree in there open up the skylight, there's this big like cupola. And I think that comes from honestly my time in Rome uh, and seeing the du- the dome, you know, seeing in the Pantheon and you have that the light coming in. So I'm drawn to that classicism. Uh, and then really the expression is that bridge house. And that that is the house that is in servitude to nature and literally the house is connected. Everybody talks about indoor outdoor living and a lot of times it's unfortunately bullshit because All it is, is like one great room in quotes that has a sliding glass door that has an indoor outdoor connection, but that's it. Uh, at Bridge House, literally every room is a part of nature and it's, um, it's choreographed and through the connection of humanity and time into each one of those spaces.
1: Yeah. And, and as we talk about nature and Bridge House, what it does so brilliantly among many things is the net zero design. So I was reading all about you know, the different things like the water from your permeable paving that it collects, you go, it goes back into the home. I think there are all these really cool, you have a solar heated infinity pool. So you found a way to make it obviously aesthetically beautiful, but also make sure it's, it's great for the environment too. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, what goes into creating a project with net zero design and what do you think needs to happen for that to become more commonplace in the industry?
0: Yeah. Um, it's actually interesting. I just did like a, 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 an editorial interview about this, and and it and I'm gonna bring it home. Where uh, okay, growing up in Tel Aviv, I already experienced that as a young kid. Okay, so in order to take a shower, okay, electricity is very scarce. Natural resources are very scarce, and because they're very scarce, they're actually very very expensive. So you have to come up with creative ways to use it and harness it. And I was in big juxtaposition to uh, moving to the states and seeing energy wasted all over the place. And you know, watering lawns and you know, watering driveways and going to the gym and seeing people just run the water, all these things just uh, irked me. Um, so uh, as a kid, when I used to have to take a shower, you would flip a switch uh, and be able, you would have about 10 minutes, five minutes to take a shower. And basically what it was, it was a, a contraption on top of the roof and it was a tank, a black tank that had a tube and the tube was running down a uh, 45 degree uh, slope uh, that goes back and forth, zigzag, 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 to get a lot of surface area on a black surface. The the switch that you flipped was basically a valve that would open and let the water run down that. And as the water ran down that, uh, it got heated by the sun. And that was literally, you had finite amount of hot water, that's it. You learn to respect it. So I think growing up with that, it gave me that um, appreciation for uh, our natural resources. And at Bridge House, what I really realized was um, to have a successful home, technology has to uh, take a backseat, in essence, and it just has to do its thing without you having to activate it, right? So yes, in Israel, that thing that I said, you have to flip a switch. But what if you didn't have to flip a switch? What if everything just worked? And when I say that, I don't mean that it's just automated, right? So it's not a bunch of valves that turn off and on because that's still failure. So at Bridge House, what we do is passive design. And this passive design is uh, a solution that we actually started on with Flip Flop House. And so the idea is if you think about the location of the sun uh, and you design accordingly. So Bridge House is designed in such a way that the main, the main home is, uh, it's 210 feet long, 60 feet wide, running east and west. But the main southern facade is uh, a wall that's one foot two inches thick full of insulation. Uh, Only a few scattered small windows are facing south and those are done also on purpose to get some heat. You need to get some heat from the sun, but all the major windows are actually facing north. So we're already starting with a uh, uh, building envelope that's very tight and very efficient. And then on top of that, we're layering on the solar panels and the solar panels then they only have to do a little bit of work because the air conditioning and the heating and ventilating system only have to finally adjust and then once you adjust, it kind of holds there unless you know you open a window. Um, so one of the things that we learned, uh, I, I did like a zero net energy uh, symposium with AIA and we learned that a lot of architects design homes, design multifamily homes, design commercial spaces that are what's called active solar or active homes. The problem is you end up with a uh, user, let's say a family that doesn't know how to use it. Or they want the instant heat or they want something like that. And so they flip the switch, but that flipped the switch ruined the whole system. So in my book, if we could design just for nature with using forms and materials instead of actual active technologies, that's true success. And that's how you could design a home that will just work for eternity and beyond, you know?
1: Yeah. And I think one of the things that. I'm, I'm personally impressed by is you've done such a brilliant job of identifying partners in that. So whether it's habitat, horticulture, or concrete collaborative, whoever it may be, how do you go about that? Because I, when I look at Bridge House, you know, I, I consider you the conductor, but then you found these people in your orchestra to populate it and carry out the song.
0: Yeah, I mean, I like it better than the word I've used. I've used the the word producer, and the reason I think I've said producer so many times is because LA is you know revolved around revolving around music and, and, you know, in film. Uh, so yes, I acted as a conductor as a, uh, to my orchestra. And essentially what, what it was, was when we started this, um, I actually had the backing of dwell magazine, uh, and the editor there Michaela, which I knew for so many years. And she was basically like the spearhead. And she said, this is going to be the next dwell home, which dwell had given up at that point, five years prior to doing any more dwell homes. And the second I had, a uh, A media partner. I knew that I had more influence to connect to all these brands that I liked. So uh, In short, when I did another house for myself across the street, actually, I called upon some of the similar uh, brands, you know, so I'm a brand ambassador to to Bosch and a few other brands and We ended up working together. uh, And what I saw was we did we did tours and throughout the tours clients, they became clients of mine. And then they would literally do like command C, command V, copy paste, copy paste. I need that toilet. I need that sink. I need that uh, that floor. I need all those things. all of a sudden I saw that inherently I am a wielder and an influencer uh, wh- that has a lot of power, a lot of control. And so I ended up uh, coming around to a lot of my favorite brands and really reaching out to them with a true uh, belief that we could do better, and so it was finding brands that uh, shared my ethos and the things that we just talked about, you know, and about uh, net neutrality and about um, uh, environmentally friendly products. So everything we have in the house is, you know, uh, is attainable and something that somebody could add to their home, but it's also thinking about the future. And the real challenge, I think, was also marrying all these brands together and making sure that everybody played nicely in the sandbox, right? So how do you find a brand that, I'll give you a great example. Okay, so Bosch is my, you know, my all-time favorite um, uh, appliances brand. And they don't make outdoor appliances. But they have a different brand that I absolutely love, which is Lynx. And they make the best outdoor appliances. Now, some brands have it both ways, but they're kind of not the best at either one. So I was lucky in that sense that both brands, you know, there wasn't like a, a home office that owns something else, but it became that and you had to kind of figure that out and, uh, you know, work through the marketing teams and all of that. And I I think that inherently, um, I think one of, one of the skills I had starting my office was understanding the marketing of yourself and the marketing of a brand. And I've always been very fascinated by that and very much connected to that. And so, I cold called a lot of brands and said hey this is me this is what we're thinking
1: when when uh when we talk about how people access your work so many so many people only so many people will get a chance to actually visit bridge house so many people get to see your work through photos they get to see that green wall you're talking about or or the grill or the pool through your photos and i noticed that brandon shigeta is a go-to photographer for you and it's i it's it's almost like you're, I don't know if you are you might be thinking about how will this photograph from this angle before you're making it it, it, it almost feels like you it's so premeditated and, and awesome and I'm wondering you know it seems like the relationship between architect and photographer is a very special one you know when I think of one of my favorite homes the stall house you think about well who gets who gets the credit for that is it is it Julius Schulman, the photographer who made it famous with his photos or Pierre Koenig and I think it's a it's a cool symbiotic relationship and it seems like it seems like you and Brandon have that as well. So I'm wondering what's that collab- collaboration like between architect and photographer.
0: It's, it's actually very, you, you nailed it on the head again. This, this is a great uh, interview. Thank you. <laughs> and uh, I really appreciate your research. Um, it makes it a lot of fun for me. Um, so, okay. It's very true what you just said. And interestingly, the first house that we did flip flop house, my client was Sammy of Sammy's camera, Sammy and Hetty. And I met them actually at the store. And at the time Julius was still alive and he's a very dear friend of them. And they have a beautiful collection of his work. And I was so gung ho and so excited because he was gonna photograph it. He passed away and that never happened. Okay, now, uh, and that was gonna be actually just a supplement to Brandon. Let's put it that way because he's been my my go-to. Brandon and I went to Harvard together. So he went to grad school uh, in architecture. He studied with me. Uh, Interestingly, we both grew up in LA, we both grew up at the same time. He went to Cal Poly Pomona, I was at USC. Uh, We both studied in Italy at the same time too. Very bizarre. Um, And we became really good friends. Uh, He's one of the few that's from Harvard that is still very dear to me. Um, And, you know, somehow, you know, he was drawn towards that and he picked up so many different skills and so many different talents and I still yet to meet a photographer with his skill set, uh, his passion, and his capabilities. We literally, we interestingly, the first photo shoot that I ever did was up in uh, uh, San Francisco. Him and I drove in the car, and we went up there. And we rented a, we rented like equipment, all this stuff. We had no idea what we were doing. Um, we just did that same road trip last Wednesday through Friday, and it was so much fun. You know, we've traveled the globe, um, and honestly. It's interesting because you what you say about like, do I think about it, is it premeditated? It's premeditated because I think about the eye. Okay, so it's premeditated. I love one point perspectives in a lot of my work and it's something that I only, I'm not a film buff, but there was a Stanley Kubrick thing at LACMA a few years ago. And then I found that he also loves this one point perspective. Not only that, he loves white, black and red, which are my colors. And I was just like, holy shit. And all of a sudden I started to see it in his work and it's very powerful. Um, I actually let Brandon explore the space on his own with the exception of a few things that I'm like, maybe, you know, did you think about this? Because I thought about this, just you, you explore it however you want to do it. But I really leave it up to him. And I recently, you know, we had a you know a very deep conversation about art, architecture, uh, photography and what it all means. Um, and I, you know, when I spoke to him about it, I was, you know, I basically said that, my God, He, without him, I am nothing. And I think he was kind of like, no, no, don't say that. I was like, no, 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 no. I don't think you understand. Like, um, I could do all the work I could ever do, but that is, you are the representation of my work for everybody else that doesn't get to be at Bridge House, that doesn't get to be at these spaces and wants to experience it internationally or nationally, however you want to say, you know, Coffee for Sasquatch, you got to enjoy it. It's a public space there's you know there's far and few between some of these spaces but in the end the ultimate expression of my work is a two-dimensional uh representation in photography it's nuts it's nuts so yeah thank you brandon again (laughs) and you know
1: it's you you've done residential you've done commercial i'm wondering are there any significant differences or have you found your approach to be, you know, fairly consistent? Obviously there are, the light and, and incorporating nature are consistent, but are there any major differences in your process?
0: You know what uh, I've discovered? Okay. So I've discovered this term, uh, I guess I coined it um, empathetic design. And this is something that uh, somebody like interviewed me a few years ago and they said like, what is, what is the marker of your success? And I, I was like, I don't know how to answer that. And I started to have to come up with an answer and this was it because it's basically, okay, so we talked about nature, we talked about light and environment, but then if you can't connect to the person on a one-to-one, um, you, you, you're failing because in the end, all of, all of my projects are commission works, mm-hmm. right? As an architect, you're an artist, but you're also a technician and you're also an artist that has to respond to commission, right. except for Bridge House, which is an expression on my own, right, but typically it's, it's somebody else's involvement. So if an architect cannot be empathetic and cannot understand their client, they've automatically, they've started the relationship at a loss. Um, so the difference is that when you're doing residential, you're listening to you know, your, your prime client and your prime target. Uh, when you're doing commercial, you're listening to that person's tell a story, but to be truly connected, you have to understand is that person telling the story of what they think their clientele is or what their clientele will actually be. Uh, And that is key, you know? So, okay, so when we did RTA and, you know, Coffee for Sasquatch, um, so with RTA, it was, uh, you know, I saw the lookbook and I was honestly, I was so worried because uh, I consider Ellie uh, the creative behind uh, RTA, uh, a, a mastermind and a genius all to himself and all of a sudden I have to take that and represent it into reality and represent what is uh fashion into a space and I should also back up because I you know I was invited to that because of my one of my close long-time family friends David who him and Ellie co-founded the space and co-founded RTA and that's how I was invited. So it was very, very difficult because at that point I'm connected emotionally to them as humans. And I'm also connected to the brand, the lookbook, the identity of five years ago when we did this and the identity of 20 20 years future when we go forward. So how do you attune yourself to that? And that's on the commercial level. On the hospitality level, it's a whole other thing and it goes even deeper. And that's, you know, that's Claire's project on Coffee for Sasquatch. And she had this beautiful um, uh, business plan, this whole idea of creating community, all these things that go beyond aesthetics. And I was just so gravitated and so drawn to that. And, um, and she had it so well laid out. And, you know, part of it was how do you create um, space for community, okay? So, you know, the talk of community, but what does that actually mean? So, you know, you, if you go in there solo to drink your cup in the morning, that's great, but what if there's a couple? And what if there's a date? What if somebody's reading flashcards? What if there's a study group? What if there's people doing Zoom? I don't know. the The, the space is so pristine and so singular, yet at the same time has a multitude of, of different differentiation of punctuated spaces within it. And to me, that's the win beyond the light and all of that of you know of coffee for Sasquatch. So when we approach the projects, that's really what we do. Now let's go somewhere else, you know, cause there's something that let's say doesn't have that inherent personality. We are working right now on an art deco renovation, historic rehabilitation in Beverly Hills, uh, on a corner of Canon and Santa Monica Boulevard. Um, and that is to create a streetscape. Mm-hmm. So that doesn't have, let's say the personal touch, that's gonna be a, a look at me and, the, and how does it reflect and how does it connect? And that too had to deal with though, uh, personal scale, the, 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 body, things like that. Um, and, and again, honoring the, 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 the village that is Beverly Hills, not the major city that is Beverly Hills and thinking about things like that. So we're always punctuating on a very local minute level, I think. So when
1: clients come to you with a project and you're, you're, you're starting to sit down and get to the, into the schematics of it, are there any sources of inspiration you look to? Is it, is it, a matter of going through house or arc daily, or just going for a walk. What are, what are some creative things that you start to do at the beginning of the process to get situated?
0: Okay. So, uh, no, no looking at like influences in that sense, uh, because I think they're locked in my mind. Um, and unfortunately, okay. So uh, the positive thing about COVID for me was being able to slow down. So this bridge house project has eaten five years of my life. Uh, and probably a decade of emotion and physical strain. Um, and so I needed a kind of like pause, you know, like hit the brakes. And this is what I tell a lot of people, like, I understand this is a very difficult, morbid time, but it's also, you got to look at it another way. Can you take it as a gift? Like, what can you find the positivity in it is, the positivity of it is that we can actually slow down. You're never going to have this again in your life. So harness that. So. That's been great. The negative for me has been that I travel. And when I travel is when I see Mm -hmm. things and when my eyes just like magnets, just like pulling, I can't stop. Like my senses do not stop. Um, Like you, I wear glasses. And one of the reasons I haven't done laser surgery to fix my eyes is because I actually find uh, freedom in being able to take my contacts out and not seeing the world so clearly because my senses are so strong so I want to be able to take them away. So for me, it's usually inspiration through travel, inspirations through things I've seen that have nothing to do with architecture. So what I tell people a lot is that yes, you know, lead with your passion, lead with your heart, but be a person of the world and be very open. So um, I used to listen, you know, in another office. The only thing that was playing was NPR. You know, that's great. I listen to NPR in the morning. It's great. It's fine. But I, I'm also capable of not being pretentious and listening, you know, to Britney Spears or whatever the hell I want to listen to. There's good in everything like that. So I think it's as an architect, you have to be connected globally on a multitude of levels. So for me, I draw inspiration that way. Um, right now, where we are actually in the midst, in the beginnings of designing uh, RTA New York in Soho. So for me, it's like, okay, how do I take what we've done in la then las vegas then now we're in new york and what does the brand mean uh today tomorrow post covid what does it mean in new york starting to think of materiality personality i'm starting to think about people coming in there with their rain boots people coming in there with their snow umbrellas all these things that will make the space comfortable ultimately that's that's the win it has to just function and be in and in, in work um and on the other side, I'll add, um, you know, I don't follow trends. So if you if you see like you know House or Design, and uh, not not so much Design, but House has a lot of like little snippets, right? Like uh, Pinterest, like snippets, and like people will be like, well, what is trending today? I'll be able to answer that, but I will never answer that because for us, it's about timelessness and it's about choosing materiality and choosing things that will be good. You know in 2020 in 1960 and in 2080 and nobody will be able to date something to say like oh yeah i remember when dba did that obviously because it's brown and blah 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 blah
1: i love that man i think you've given us a a great 360 a great master class in in an exciting <laughs> in an exciting direction where architecture can go and and i appreciate it so on that happy note we'll wind down with some fun little rapid fire questions oh boy. so uh firstly what's an app that you can't live without
0: uh photosynth uh i love that it's really should i go in further yeah, than i, or a, I cause I've never
1: heard of it so I'm, I'm curious now
0: okay so photosynth is one of those rare instances that i actually like a google app and it was one of the things that they bought and they still haven't fucked up and i hope they don't fuck up but i i use it it's free and it's you're able to edit uh in such a great way and it it's very intuitive Uh, and a very you know you can do it anything from a very high level editing to something like stupid where i do like memes for my friends adding little bubbles and things like that i absolutely love the app and it's an app that i think a lot of people don't know about awesome and who would you like to play you in a movie about your life oh god i don't know i mean okay so let's go about it another way where people say who i look like so people have uh, uh i've said i look like jason lee jason schwartzman uh I don't know who else, so, but they're actors, go ahead. They could do it and be done with it. If you
1: could wake up tomorrow, having gained one skill or ability, what would it be?
0: Uh, Well, if you asked me a few years ago, I would have have answered the ability of patience, which is something that I've learned. I'm 42 and it took me a long time to learn the importance of patience. So if somebody younger is listening, that should be their goal (laughs) is that maybe that, Um, because I think a lot of people forget about that and they want immediate gratification uh and it's a hard world to live in um today okay i love languages i would love to be able to just click a switch and i knew a language maybe yeah. you
1: know multiple languages now right yeah, yeah. you know yeah. You, uh, english italian hebrew german yeah so and, and french, french. Yeah. and some
0: a little bit of german that's oh it my yeah goodness all right yeah.
1: and uh where's a place you haven't been to yet that you hope to visit
0: India actually. Oh, cool. Uh, and it's something that if somebody had asked me a few years ago, I would have absolutely said no, uh, because I have a very hard time dealing with the uh, class disparity. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was in Morocco, I, I really struggled like enjoying myself, like seeing like, here's a glass of wine or, you know, the same thing happened to me in Brazil in some of the spaces. But I think, uh, from what i am hearing, you know, there's so much, uh, richness culturally, in uh in India that I really want to open my eyes to that the sensory of the colors there's a lot there's a lot for me that I'm missing and I I need to experience that
1: what's a song that you like to jam to I know you're a big music person we choose we take we take a recommendation from a guest and put it in our Spotify playlist with all our guest recommendations so if there's one contribution you'd like to make with a song you're jamming to right now what would it be give me love by George Harrison. And uh, lastly, where can people find your work and uh, keep up with you on social media?
0: Yeah. So uh, Dan Brune architecture, D-A-N-B-R-U-N-N dot com. That's the website. Uh, Instagram is D-B architecture, uh, and that's the best way to see our current work. Uh, there's also Bridge House, L-A, uh, and you could follow along to see Bridge House. Perfect.
1: And if anybody's interested in the pod, you can check us out at pod on Instagram. Dan, thank you so much. This was so fun.
0: Thank you. This has been inspiring and a great way to end the day in the middle of the week. Awesome. Thank you.